It's Test Review Tuesday. How did the team perform and which players are getting a special recognition for standing out? It's time to get a GPA score. That's what's coming up next on Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you are watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast for free, thanks for coming along for the ride. Appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't done it already, ask yourself why you haven't, but hit that subscribe button. It means a lot. And if you don't want to see this ugly face, you just want to hear the voice and enjoy the information, follow me at my Twitter, on my Twitter, at Mark Culkin. All right, GPA, Game Performance Assessment. We're going to get some grades out from the crowd to the coaches to the players. Both sides of the ball, all three sides of the ball. And then in the last segment, we're also going to take a peek ahead at Oregon State. So, got a nice show for you coming up. All right, um, let's start with the crowd. Get you guys out of the way since you're here watching, listening. You want to, you know, people always want to hear good stuff about themselves, right? So the announced crowd, 67,226 uh, for the first night game in Lincoln Riley's uh, coaching tenure as USC head coach. That was the announced attendance. Uh, I think it was probably closer to 58. Want to be gratuitous, 60,000 got in the door. Uh, I'll give them an A, though, because you showed up for a 7.30 kickoff that was actually closer to 7.45 p.m. You brought the energy. You got to see Lofa Tatupu lead the team out of the tunnel. They had the flamethrowers going. And when they turned off the lights, making it dark, uh, all of you, uh, all 67,226 of you, you had your iPhones out with your flashlights. It's pretty cool. So, um, hey. Thanks for bringing the energy. Team fed off it. I think they appreciated it. And with every win, uh, you know what? Fans should start showing up to the Coliseum. There's no reason to, to not sell it out. 77-5. Get her done. All right. Let's move on to the team. Uh, overall, we're going to start with the offense. I'm going to give them a good A-. minus, And that's because they still have room to improve. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, you know, on a game-by-game assessment, you know, adjusting their grades. I I think the reason I'm giving them an A- minus is Caleb played poorly in the second quarter. So and when I when I do the finger quotes, uh, poorly for Caleb is still probably better than 90% of the quarterbacks around the country. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, nevertheless, um, a minus for an overall. The run game now has two games out of three where they've gone over 200 yards. Uh, so that doesn't suck. And the offense has proven, you know, they can score very quickly. Uh, but in this game, they also showed that they can take their time, do uh, 10, 12, 13, 15 play drives, take time off the clock. That's, that's great. Uh, because they're going to need to be able to mix it up throughout the year. Uh, 
you know, scoring quickly all the time doesn't help your defense. So, uh, you know, maybe there there might be a game where USC's defense struggles and the offense is going to need to help them out. Right now, that's not necessarily the case. They're both um, helping each other out quite well. So, uh, again, for overall, offensively, I'm giving this team an A-. minus. Uh, let's see here. Quarterback, again, let's just go uh, get Caleb out of the way. A-. minus. Uh, he came into the game with 10 incompletions. He matched that in the first half alone against Fresno State. Uh, but again, he it's going to sound like, hey, you know, he had a really solid game. And I'm going to give you his total numbers here in a moment. He he finished the game with only 12 incompletions. So you can see he really tightened things up in the second half. I think part of the problem was uh, he was trying to get the ball to Jordan Addison too much. Maybe they were looking to uh, pad each other's stats. Uh, but he was missing some wide-open guys underneath. And uh, one off the top of my head in particular, Mario Williams just flapping his arms, jumping up and down, wide open in the end zone opposite. I think he was trying to force it to Jordan at the time. Um, yeah, points were left on the field at that time. So let's remember, this is, a, I think Caleb is now, he's got 10 games under his belt as a starter. He's still just a sophomore. So... Yeah, you know, it's picking on Caleb is kind of like um, picking on the supermodel with a mole on her face. It you're not really mad, but you notice things and you gotta you gotta point them out. So uh, also, you know, and he took a couple of unnecessary sacks, probably trying to make the big play. Um, and you got to be careful there because you could end up getting hurt. So uh, Caleb talked about it after the game. He he knows. Uh, where he needs to improve things he did areas he could have where he could have played better in the game against uh, Fresno. And I, I brought mentioned this on the, uh, on Monday's episode, uh, Caleb was frustrated with himself. You could see it on the sideline towards the end of the first half. Uh, he kind of went into a, I won't say he went into a shell, but he didn't want to talk to anybody and he was probably just processing things in his head. Uh, so when he got to the locker room, um, They'll be able to get things worked out and just move forward starting in the second half. Uh, running backs, A, solid running, blocking. They've been receiving them all year. They've been great. Um, you got, again, I mentioned 200-yard rushers. Austin Jones uh, had 110. You had um, Travis Dye with 102. Uh, they, Travis Dye had a touchdown run. Uh, so, yeah, really nice. Oh, I wanted to go over Caleb's numbers real quickly before I forget. Do, 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 do. Where did those go? Oh, so he finished the game 25 for 37, 284 yards, two touchdowns um, through the air. That doesn't even count the two touchdowns that he ran for. Um, but again, he got sacked three times. Uh, a couple of those were on him. And again, I mentioned some of the, the decision-making uh, issues that he had throughout the game. But again, uh, yeah, let's, we're not going to nitpick too much on that. Uh, Travis Dye, 11 rushes, 102 yards, one touchdown. The, the touchdown, 25-yard touchdown run that was a just a physical thing of beauty. Uh, it just back, you know, I, I think Earl Campbell. But you could talk about plenty of USC running backs over the year. You know, Charles White, um, 
Moody McNeil. Just the names go on. Guys who are undersized, but just run with a tenacity. And what made that run so special is he came back in the game after taking a big knee to the beneath the uh, the waist in the groin. It, it was a good shot. So to come back in and, and have that and run with that type of uh, anger was was nice to see. Austin Jones, 12 rushes, 110 yards. Uh, he had a long for 44. That's not bad. So, again, running backs, you get an A cross. Wide receivers, uh, and we're going to go tight ends as well. Give them a B. Um, they, you know, you had a couple of touchdowns. Uh, we had one from, from Malcolm Epps. And... The reason why I think I'm giving the wide receiver, why this group probably dropped down to a B, they were solid. They didn't do anything bad. Uh, but on those scramble plays, I didn't see enough of separation being open. Um, nobody was like crossing, you know, crossing each other. I didn't see anybody, you know, field, no one coming back to the ball. Everybody was just kind of uh, hard to explain. It, Need to work on their scramble drills a little bit better. Again, nitpicking. So let's uh, don't take these grades too harshly. Some of you, uh, I think you're taking this show a little bit too serious. It's all for fun. Enjoy it. Uh, let's, uh, what do we need? Oh, yeah. Offensive line, B+. Plus. Look, you're playing, uh, you're, you're already down. Starting one starting left tackle in Cortland Ford, who missed the game with a high ankle sprain. He is anticipated back this week. Bobby got dinged up. Uh, he's your other co-starter at left tackle. Um, hopefully uh, that shoulder isn't going to be an issue going forward. When he had to come out, uh, one of the times uh, when Mason Murphy came in, he he wasn't ready to play at that moment. And uh, Caleb suffered one of those three sacks. That was probably the one sack that... Uh, Fresno State earned on their own. Uh, didn't get much uh, resistance on that one play. Nevertheless, credit where credit is due. So uh, as far as opening running lanes, again, 200 yards rushing. You protected Caleb, um, give, allowing him to throw for 284 yards. He ran for two touchdowns on his own. Again, pretty darn good day for the offense. Offensive line, um, again. We just have to be careful that uh, depth doesn't start um, affecting this group. Offensive player of the game, look, could have given it to the running backs as a group. You could give it, it's hard, why not give it to Caleb Williams? But uh, I'm going with Travis Dye just because of of the way he came back, the way he performed. Um, I love that run. That touchdown run, if Maybe if Austin Jones had a touchdown run, he gets it because, you know, 11, what was it, 12 for 110, a long of 44. But that 25-yard touchdown run was pretty awesome. Fun to watch. And I think it really energized the crowd that was there. So, um, yeah, you, you can't give it to Caleb every week, right? <laughs> Let's give it to the running back. Um, coaching on the offensive side of the ball, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give them an A. They did. I thought they called a great game. The reason being, when Fresno tried to stack the box, you picked them apart with a passing game. When they dropped back eight in the coverage, they ran the ball. So 
again, you're not turning the ball over. You're scoring efficiently. Again, first three drives of the game, three touchdowns. First three games, three, I mean, touchdown, touchdown. touchdown. I went over this on the previous episode. I'm not going to repeat myself. Um, offense is doing really well. We'll see what they do uh, on the road against Oregon State. Again, you could have given it to Caleb based on his numbers alone. Um, I said, when I'm nitpicking on Caleb, it's like it's like picking the mole on the supermodel's face. You know, you know I'm not turned off by it, but you still see it. And you got to, you know, sometimes you got to point it out. So there's a lot of upside with Caleb. And you know what else? You need to head on over to uh, Upside. From cringing at the gas pump to getting an eye-popping eye check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app at your app store. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, hear this. You can earn up to three times more cash back with Upside. In fact, Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they're getting a 4.8 star rating on that app store. So download download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right. We're going to move on to the defense in this segment. Overall, uh, you know what? I think we're going to uh, go B-plus for the defense. And they they played really well. Again, um, two more takeaways. They've got uh, that's ten plus 10 on the year. Um, they got an unlikely interception from Malcolm Epps to match his touchdown, which, by the way, quick note, that's the he's the first player in the pack in the Pac-12 in the last 22 years to, to make that happen. So he's a, let me rephrase it, he's the second player, the first time it's happened in the last 22 years, to have a touchdown reception and an interception in the same game. Pretty cool. Um, so, again, two more takeaways. That's giving them 10, plus 10 on the year. Uh, that leads the FBS. That'll get her done. Uh, they do need to get... They, they still got to clean up that running game defense. Um, too many chunk plays. Uh, man, it, it's, again, they're not allowing teams to score on them. And I'm going to go over some numbers here in a moment. But they stand out when you see them ripping off 40-yard runs, 50-yard runs, whatever whatever they're happening. Um, they're In fact, they're tied for 102nd in the FBS in 10-plus yards plays given up. That's too many. Um, yeah. Too many. So here's a here's an interesting statistic from the game against Fresno. They had 53 total tackles as a team. 47 of them were solo tackles. Not solo Tule Al Pupu. Individual. How do you grade that? 
Is, is that good? Bad? You know, typically, you know, I like to see gang cackle. So, I don't know, the statistician on the out of those 53 tackles, 47 were individual tackles. Interesting stat. Uh, again, they are number one in the FBS in with turnovers lost, zero. Um, they are tied for second, power five, FBS. Uh, they're giving, they're getting 4.67 sacks per game. They had five against Fresno. That'll get it done. So um, you're going to get to the red zone against this team, at least so far. <laughs> it's, teams are proven. They can get to the red zone. Um, here's the thing, though. You're not scoring on this defense. They are, uh, they're holding teams under 20 points, 19, just under 20, 19.7 per game. So that's, uh, that's good for sixth in FBS, excuse me, sixth in the power five and eighth in FBS. That is really good. And those, that's typically what you see from, uh, Alabama, Georgia, uh, when teams get into the red zone, they're only scoring 50, 54% of the time. In other words, USC's defense is stepping up when it has to. In the moment, uh, you would like to see them get some more stops between the 20s. Nevertheless, uh, they're they're making it happen when they have to. Uh, defensive end, rush ends, defensive line, rush ends. Uh, B plus Solomon bird. He had that hat trick on that one play. Tuli, uh, Tuli Pelotu is still doing Tuli things. Brandon Peely joined the sack club. He got one. Uh, the team had, I mentioned it. They had five overall, but again, they're still making some mental mistakes. Uh, it's, it's mental mistake where they're lining up and that's why they're getting gashed uh, for some big runs, but this is fixable. Um, but the, what isn't fixable is my concern at the with depth at the rush end. Uh, I don't know if Solomon, excuse me, I don't know if Romello Height is going to be available coming up this week. We'll find out um, at practice. Uh, hopefully, Eric will have some insight for us. I will not be at practice this week. Announcement, major announcement. Mark will not be at practice this week, and I'm not happy about it. Just. We'll, uh, we'll keep you covered, though. Don't worry about it. Um, and I, I I think why I'm giving the defensive line a B plus, they're getting a bump for the goal line stand that the defense had at the end of the game uh, because it came from the backups. And that that is, that means a lot. And again, that score was not meaningless. As you can see, USC, uh, that average would have gone over 20 had they allowed that touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, and it's going to pay dividends down the line throughout the season, knowing that the starters don't have to be in there uh, to make a point or to keep points off the board, I guess is a better way of doing it, of, of putting it. Linebackers. Um, I'm going to give it a B, and I, I'm probably being very gratuitous here. Hear me out. Uh, you're going to get great individual plays from the from that group throughout the game, um, but that they're definitely still a, a whip. They're definitely a work in progress. They got to put it together as a group. Um, I, 
Shane Lee didn't have a bad game, but he didn't really stand out. Uh, at least, to, again, I might have missed things that he did great, and I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to show up on the film. Uh, but for whatever reason, there's just nothing that really popped out from Shane Lee in this game. Eric Gentry, though, uh, he is proving why he is definitely a middle linebacker. Uh, he broke up one pass uh, that would have been a touchdown, and he gave up. I won't say he gave up a touchdown, but had he been one step deeper in his coverage, literally, if you go back and watch the replay, that ball went right over his fingertips. So his six foot six inches and that length is showing up again in the stat book. Um, if he gets his finger on the ball one more time, that's you know two pass breakups. Ugh. Again, if that you don't even know if that was a mental mistake, if he just didn't get back deep enough, or maybe the quarterback just made a great throw. Sometimes you just got to give a hat tip to uh, to the opposing quarterback. Nevertheless, yet when you're watching the film, you're going, "Wow, man, Eric, one more step back, and you probably get your hands on it." It's part of the game. It is what it is, right? Uh, the secondary, I gave him a B. Um, in the second half, uh, you know Fresno's quarterback. Uh, Jake Hayner, he had got knocked out. So the Bulldogs backup, Logan Fife, came in. Logan Fife, pardon me. And he was able to complete 10 out of 11 passes. And the secondary, I, I went through their numbers. I think I only counted three pass breakups. Um, so while they didn't hurt the team, uh, they they weren't really tested that much. I don't know if they were just giving too much um, uh too much space to the receivers, making sure nothing got behind them. Um, because as they showed, you know, when, once you get into the red zone against this defense, they they really they really bow up. It's hard to score against them. You might you kind of have to accept field goals. Um, and I'm going to go real quickly here with the special teams. Uh, I'm starting to get a little more concerned. So B minus in this game. Um, I, I don't know where to go here. Let's just start with a kick kickoff coverage. Um, they're still allowing too much, too many return yards. And you would think they'd be getting better since they're getting so much practice during the games. Uh, in this game, you know, these were the ones that re, were returnable. So if, if Alex Stathos can't put it as a touchback, uh, Nick Ormigio had four, four returns for 123 yards. That's, a, that's over 30 per. You got to do better. So again, those were the ones that were that were returnable. The other ones ended up touchbacks. So let's put the statistic on that. Right now, USC, they're 113th in the FBS, and there are a total of 124 teams. That's not a good number. That's not a good number. <clears throat> Hunting for all you haters out there. Uh, let's see if you still have that same energy this week. Uh, Aiden Sleep Dalton, he had two punts. One for 40, one for 42. They both were inside the 20-yard line. And oh, by the way, USC has only punted the ball five times this year. And uh, that's the third least in college football. Not bad, huh? And... Four out of the five from the Aussie from down under have landed inside the 20. That's a pretty good, pretty, pretty good percentage. 
their average starting position, start the opponent's average starting position following a punt is the 23 yard line. So um, let's uh, hold our criticism on the punting unit right now. Uh, as far as punt return, GB1, Gary Bryant, he had two punt returns for 30 yards. 15 yard at 15 per average is pretty good. It'll get it done. Dennis Lynch, kicker extraordinaire, made all of his PATs, and I think he nailed a 41-yarder. That's why USC had 45 points instead of 42. That's the odd number. My defensive player of the game, it's got to go to King Solomon Bird. Uh, He had the hat trick. You know, when you get a strip sack fumble recovery and four tackles um, on your totals, you had a pretty good game. And what makes this so special for Solomon, again, I mentioned it on yesterday's episode, against Rice, he had five snaps on the field. And he just kept working and working, trusting the staff. And uh, guess what? Why he's starting isn't relevant. Whether or not there's players who aren't being productive, he's starting and he's producing. And to, to make that jump in just a few weeks' time, and then get the game ball from your team after the game, of course you're the defensive player of the week. Who else would it be? Okay, in this third segment, before we get out of here, let's do a real quick look ahead to Oregon State. Uh, That's USC's next opponent up in Corvallis. What do we know? This is what we do know. USC, they struggle up there. Um. USC has they have dominated the Beavers over there <laughs> over their history. They they win at an incredibly high rate up there, but they struggle sometimes, at least in recent times. Um, but you can go back throughout history, and uh, Oregon State finds a way to give USC problems. Um, again, we know that the Beavers are three and zero, and they're three and zero for the first time since two thousand fourteen. And that comes on the heels of their 68 to 28 big win at home over Montana State. State. Uh huh. So, look, um, you give credit. They they handle their business at home against a team they should handle their business against. Uh, they beat Fresno State the week before. It was on a last second play. Um, they're linebacker came in uh, to run the Wildcat. Former quarterback turned linebacker, came over and uh, last play of the game, took Wildcat, ran it in for a touchdown. We know that USC is opening as a six and a half point favorite uh, on the road. Okay. Um, and I'm it's been interesting to see if that line, how that line adjusts because earlier, um, on Monday, you're watching this on Tuesday, uh, there is a news report coming out that the Beavers will be without running back Trey Lowe and tight end Luke Musgrave. So how will that affect their game plan? We know that the uh, the Beavers have eight takeaways through uh, their first three games. They had five in their season opener against Boise State, and they had three against Montana State. Uh, so we know USC's plus 10. We know Oregon State has shown up an ability to get the ball back. 
USC hasn't turned the ball over yet this year. Hmm. This would be a horrible time for them to uh, turn the ball over for the first time. Let's not start that. Uh, let's see. So we also know the Trojans have won 36 of the last 41 meetings with Oregon State. Um, a loss in 2000 snapped USC's Pac-10 record at the time. 26 consecutive victories over the Beavers. And, oh, by the way, if this if 2022's defense wants to uh, add to USC's 17 shutouts in the series, I don't think anybody's going to complain. That would be impressive. This defense making that happen. So, we know that the last time this, these two teams played last year, uh, it was in L.A., and USC got thumped 45 to 27. And it was, it wasn't even that close. Uh, 18 points, and it wasn't that close. Um, in fact, that was the first time uh, USC lost Oregon State in LA dating back to 1960. I wasn't even alive yet. And I know a lot of you like to call me old. And that was just the, it was just their fourth win in 49 tries at the Coliseum throughout their history. Um, they made the most of it. <laughs> a lot of teams made the most of it against USC last year. Oregon State really enjoyed it. Um, look, the numbers are what they are throughout their history. Um, it was also the most points ever scored by an Oregon State team in their 79-game series, and it's their largest margin of victory versus USC in Los Angeles. Um. I have a feeling that is going to be somewhere on the whiteboard message boards in their locker room this week. Uh, Lincoln Riley is the type of guy, at least I get the impression that he might hold a grudge. He might not, uh, he might show it publicly or say it publicly, but he's one of the, I'm one of those types of guys. And I, we share the same birthday month. And I think we have a similar personality that, uh, we like to get the better of people. I do. I'm going to say it right now. I like getting the better of people. Uh, I'm a really competitive guy. So from that perspective, I like to get the better of people. Uh, I think in order for Oregon State to win, oh man, um, they're going to need a, a type of performance from USC that they got from USC last year in the Coliseum. And I don't see that happening. They're going to need three interceptions from the quarterback. I don't think Caleb's. I don't think Caleb's capable of doing that. Prove Oregon State. Prove me wrong. Um, so, we're. I'll start breaking down this game more on our next episode of Locked On USC. Um, it's that time. I got to get out of here. So head on over to uh, Locked On Pac-12. Go check out Spencer McLaughlin. He's doing a really good job over there. And uh, then when you're done with the Locked On USC and the Locked On Pac-12, head on over to WeRSC.com. We got a lot of content for you over there right now. So, you know what to do. Starts with an F. Starts with an O.